Hi, I'm Michael Carter, lead pastor of the Life Church, and I just want to thank you for watching this rebroadcast of this week's message. We hope it's an inspiration to you and that there will be things that you can apply to your life that will help you along your journey. I'm really glad that you're wanting to grow in your relationship with Jesus, and I believe the Word of God will help you do just that. So be encouraged, and if there's something in the message that helps you, we want you to respond. So leave a comment, prayer request, or even a question below. We want you to know that we're with you on your journey. So God bless you and have an amazing week. Here's this week's message. We are in a message series called The Facets of Faith. The Facets of Faith. Different facets of faith. Faith is one thing, but there are facets of faith. Amen. And I cannot express to you how important faith is to us as Christians. Everyone in this world has faith. They have faith for something. They have faith for something because we don't know everything. The only person who doesn't need faith is a person that knows everything. There's only one that I know that knows everything. And that's the Lord himself. Amen. And so I can't express to you how important faith is. In fact, in Hebrews uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 10, they all say the just or the righteous shall live, walk by faith. That's Old Testament and New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that you cannot please God without faith. Without faith. We can't even please God. We can't make God happy without faith. So it's important for us to understand faith and know what faith is and walk in faith. Amen. And so um, we did have a series on um, the name of Jesus. We had a series on speak to it. And that all leads to this. Those are foundational for us to have and, and uh, walk in faith, to have a faith life. It's not what we do. Faith is not something that's on the shelf and you bring it down when you need something. When you get sick, you bring your faith down. When you need money for the bill, you bring your faith down. When you're having an argument with your husband or your mom or, you know, there's some uh, issue that's going on, you bring your faith down. When your boss gets on your nerve, you bring your No, you are a people, not only a people of faith, but you are a people faith. You are a faith people. Amen. That's what we are. And so we live, move, and have our being <laughs> by faith, by faith, by faith. And when you look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, right off the bat, it says, now faith is. Now faith is. And I've heard a lot of uh, messages on faith, and I've heard that, you know, faith is a time thing. You know, it doesn't say now faith will be or faith will be in the future, but now faith is. And in my research on that, I, I looked that up and I saw that the word now was not in the original Greek. So I said, hmm, now it's not in the original Greek, so does that mean that it's not present tense? So I said, well, let me take now off and just say what, since that's not in the Greek. And it says faith is. So I'm right back where I started. <laughs> faith is. Faith is. Now faith is. You don't have to wait till some future date. Right here, right now. What are you waiting for? to use the name of Jesus. What are you waiting for to say that you're a person of faith, to speak the word of God? In fact, if you're in a desperate situation with your health, if you're in a desperate situation on your job, if you're in a desperate situation with your finances, there's no better time than for faith 
to rise up in you. And it's, it's, it is about having strong faith. I have a whole message on that. How we have, you can have great faith. You can have little faith. You can have no faith. So it is about that. But it's more about who you have faith in. That's what it's about. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11, chapter 4. Hebrews, I mean, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. We're going to look today very briefly at Abel. We're going to continue from last week. The Bible says in the English Standard Version, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than his brother Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, still speaks, still speaks today. If you flip over to chapter 12 and you look at verse 1 there, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, yes, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Keep running the race. Don't give up. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, listen, I have fought. The good fight. I just didn't fight a fight. I fought a good fight. I finished the race and I have kept the faith. What are we talking about today? We're talking about keeping the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Don't just have faith when things go well. Don't just have faith when everything looks rosy, when it's warm outside. Don't just have faith in those situations, but you are a person of faith. You overcome by your testimony. The only way you get a testimony is to have faith. Come on. Last week we talked about the five postures of faith. We're talking about facets. We use these words, facets. And last week we talked about the five postures. And I want to land on Abel for just a few more moments this morning uh, on the last one of those postures. But we talked about the unbelieving posture of faith and, and how we, 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 have, we walk in unbelief. And so to have an unbelieving posture of faith, we looked at John 16. And this Amazed me because here Jesus is talking and really out of all of the sins that we can think of, lying, stealing, cheating, I'm sure you can think of a million of them, you know, all of the sins, Jesus honed in on what I believe is the greatest sin. He said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteous, righteousness and of judgment of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. Out of all of the sin that you have, the greatest sin that the world has is that they do not believe. That's the sin. Because that's the only way you're saved. That's You don't get into heaven by works. You don't get into heaven by doing things. You get in by believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. And everything else goes from there. 
We talked about the believing posture. There's a believing posture. but there, And you would think, oh, well, there's a believing posture. That's where I want to land. But let me just tell you something. If you only believe that there is a God, see, there's a difference in believing that there is a God and believing in God. There's a big difference, see? You believe that there is one God, you do well. Guess what? Even demons believe. So you want to go beyond just believing that there is a God. I know there's a God somewhere. And then we talked about the trusting posture. You have to have a trusting posture. Hebrews 10, 38 says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, this is what God is talking about, believing in him, not just believing that there is a God. But don't shrink back. Remember the story last week? We talked about the guy on the wheelbarrow going over Niagara Falls. He said, do you believe I can do this on this tightrope? Do you believe? Do you really? Then get in. That's what God is saying to us. Come on, if you believe, get in. Get in. And then we talked about the drifting posture. The writer of Hebrews talks about beware of the drift. And many of us can get that way when we've known the Lord for such a long time and we've come to church and we've, we've made all the check marks. I go to church and I've, I've been to Bible study. Maybe I joined a small group. I read my Bibles as often as I can. I pray and I do all of these things. But we have to be careful of the drift. Be careful of drifting away. We must pay uh, much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. And where we land this morning is in the lasting, the lasting posture. See, verse 4 said, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Abel didn't just come to God and give him something. Here you go, God. I'm coming to church this morning, give an offering, 10 bucks. I did good. It says, by faith. Abel offered to God. By faith. Why would it take faith to give an offering? Most of us give an offering and really somewhere deep down we feel like you should be glad that I'm giving you something. Come on now. I know we won't admit it, but somewhere in the flesh, even if we fight it, should be happy that I'm giving something. I don't have to give anything. But Abel, by faith, Offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, his sacrifice was more acceptable. You see, Cain was the firstborn. Someone put it this way, that Cain belonged to the city of men. After him, Abel was born and Abel belonged to the city of God. Because he offered his sacrifice by faith. city of men is temporal. The city of God is lasting. That's what we're talking about, lasting. Why am I saying this, by the way? Why am I, why am I talking about have a lasting faith? Here's why. It's because the Lord put on my heart for my life and to share with you as a pastor that, listen, he doesn't want you living from event to event. Wow, we got this event over with. We had this crisis. We had this sickness. We had this money problem. And we had faith. And we prayed. And now we got over it. Now on to the next one. But God is saying, listen, I have given you a faith that you can just walk on the water in the midst of the storm. Whether there's a storm or no storm, you're still walking on the water. He wants you to be able to walk through it no matter the circumstances. Why? Because your circumstances don't define you. God defines you. 
It's a problem with our society today. And it's not new. Some of us old folks look at it as it's a, it's a new thing with this young, the young people and their social media. It's not new. Identity has always been a problem because Satan has always been a problem. He's just used different vehicles to get us try to question our identity. What's my identity in? Is my identity in my race? Is my identity in my gender? Is my identity? Where is my identity? God is telling you first and foremost, yeah, I created you. White, black, man, woman, whatever. I, I did all of those things. But first, your identity is in me. You must first have a kingdom identity. And then all else is second. We have to look at it that way. I know that's a whole nother message. But God wants our identity to be in him. And if our identity is in him, now we're just not living from event to event. I got to get back to church so I can go uh, answer an altar call so someone can lay hands on me and pray for me and then I'll be all right. God is saying, I gave you the name of Jesus. Yes, absolutely. James says, uh, listen, if you have an issue, go to the elders and let them lay hands on you. For sure, we are here for that. Absolutely, no problem with that at all. But really what we want you to do is get you to a place where you speak the name of Jesus in your situation, where you pray and you understand the authority that you have. That's why I'm here. I'm not here for you to come see me or hear me. I'm here to get you to be all that God created you to be. All that God created you to be. That's why by faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And God accepted Abel's sacrifice and he rejected Cain's. If you go back and read that story, you would know that the Bible talks about Abel and Cain and it talks about how Abel, it says uh, Abel brought uh, his, his offering to God. It was the first of his fruit. And when it talks about Cain bringing his offering, the Bible puts it this way. It says in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. You know what that means to me? Some time went by. He let some time go by. I, I have some stuff here. I, I, you know, I'm a farmer and I, you know, I got my carrots and, and my beets and whatever. Maybe people don't grow beets. I don't know what, you know, whatever he grew is cabbage. You know, he grew all that. And he said, yeah, this is some good stuff. And he looked at it. Maybe he chopped some of it up. And then he said, oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, by the way, uh, we're supposed to give some offering, uh, some of this to God. So uh, let me go ahead and do that now afterwards. But see, Abel didn't wait. Abel didn't wait. You don't believe me? Listen, let's go over here. Genesis. Genesis chapter four says Adam loved his wife, knew her. She became pregnant. They gave birth to Cain. Then later on, they gave uh, birth to his brother Abel. Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. The Bible says in the course of time, in the process of time in verse three, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But about Abel, but about Abel, it says Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, the first and the best. That's why Abel brought it by faith. This is the first and the best. I don't know if I'm going to have any more of this good, but by faith, I'm bringing this to God so that God could bless it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, Abel did two things. <clears throat> Abel did two things here. One, he displayed faith. And the second thing he did was he displayed his worship to God. 
I want to tell you this morning that you cannot have proper worship without faith. And you can't have faith without worship. They go together. They go together. <clears throat> Think about Abraham. Abraham took his son Isaac and God said, go out to a place that I will show you. So by faith, Abraham went out. And God told him, you're going to sacrifice your son, your firstborn son to me. And then when they got close to the mountain where he was going to take Isaac up to sacrifice him, to give him an offering by faith, the Bible says that Abraham told his servants, you stay here with the donkeys. King James says something a little different. Sometimes you got to tell people, stay here. Stay here with the asses. You stay here. And I know Pastor Preston, I wasn't going to, but. And he said, we, me and the boy are going up to worship. He's going to kill his son and sacrifice him. But he called it what? Worship. But he's doing it by faith. So you can't have worship without faith and you can't have faith without worship. Abel, number one, Abel's offering was rooted in devotion. Cain's offering was rooted in duty. Abel's offering was, he, God accepted Abel's offering because it was an offering of devotion. He rejected Cain's offering because it was an offering of duty. Dare I say, don't come to church just because you think it's going to make you feel better or because you have to. God, God doesn't want that. In fact, I, I shouldn't be saying this as a pastor because I want you to come to church. So I shouldn't be putting, I shouldn't put it this way. But God doesn't accept your offering if you come and you do it out of duty. I can't, I want you to come, even if it's out of duty. I, I'd love for you to come. But it's not my thing. It's not my thing. It's not about us, Brother James. It's all about him. And he's saying, I don't accept your offering if you're coming by duty. So don't say, well, then I just won't come then. <laughs> say, let me get my heart right. Let me get my heart right. And let me now come out of devotion for you, God. My devotion for you. It's important to note that it wasn't Abel's action, but it was his attitude behind the action that God approved. Come on. And what was Abel's attitude? His attitude was a posture of faith that moved him from worship, come on, worshiping God into God's very presence. By faith, by faith, his offering was accepted. By faith. Our faith in God is reflected in our wholehearted worship in God. See, faith, you want to know what faith really is? Is it saying something six times or ten times until it happens? Is it, you know, maybe that, that's part of it. Speaking is part of it. Yeah, okay, that's part of it too. But you want to know what faith really is, what it really is. When you take the whole Bible in context, it really is hearing what God says Come on, somebody, and doing it. That's what it is. It's lining yourself up with the scripture. It's lining yourself up with the scripture. 
So when God says you're an overcomer and you say, I just I just can't do it no matter what. I'm just not that good. You're not lining yourself up in scripture. You are not in faith. It's not going to work. You're not in faith. Come on. You line yourself up with what God says. We know that Abel's offering was wholehearted because he gave God the first and the finest. God accepted his offering because it was the first. God would say to you this morning, am I not good enough for the first? Did I not give it to you in the first place? Did I not give you the ability to make money? Come on. Did I not give you the looks to get that woman? Well, she sees something in you. It might not be your looks. In my case, it could be something different, but did I give you the ability? Come on. So give it back to me. I want your first. Am I not good enough for your first? Because if we give, if you give him, if you let him bless the first, if you give the first to him, the rest will be blessed. The rest will be blessed. And you can think what you want to. We can have conversations about the tithe from here to the cows come home and about giving and all of those things. But I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's about 10. But really, when you talk about tithe, really also, it's about the first. It's about the first. That's what God is talking about. You don't give me the first, everything is cursed. But you give me the first, the rest is blessed. I'd rather give God the first and all the rest that I have be blessed because it'll multiply than keep everything and it all be cursed. Why would you want something cursed in your bank account? Why would you want something cursed in your relationship? Why would you want something cursed? Give it to God first. Abel's offering was wholehearted and it was approved because of the attitude behind it. It was wholehearted because he gave him the first and the finest. First was a representation of the whole. When Abel gave God his first, he gave God everything. It was wholehearted worship. Just as Abraham was with Isaac, I give him to you, all of him. We must believe. If we believe in this way and we have faith in this way, then we can believe that our faith will have a lasting impact. It, will have a, it won't be from event to event. We won't be looking for somebody to come pray for us. And please don't mistake that when I say that, 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 I, that you shouldn't have someone pray for you. Absolutely, you should. It's what we are to pray for each other. But I'm saying when we get dependent on someone else and not God, I'm getting dependent on Sister Jody praying for me. Now all of a sudden I'm dependent on her and not God. All the while she's pointing me to God. If you'd listen to what she was saying, she prays for you, but then she points you to God. So that's what God is trying to do to you this morning, to say, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. Yeah, we have elders, we have pastor, we have, you know, all of these things, decency and in order. But at the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all the same. Listen, I say this uh, all the time to men, you know, when, when we talk about it, you know, there's some men and, you know, you know how we can be guys. We, we, we're macho, you know what I mean? Come on, I'm a, right? You know, I'm the man. Man up in this joker, Right? You know, when it comes to the Lord, if you're a part of the church, then you're the bride of Christ. When it comes to God, he be the man. 
And I'm not saying you're feminine or you're a woman. I'm not, no, that's, that's the world way of looking at stuff. All I'm saying is, is Christ is the one. He's the head and we're the body. That's all I'm saying. We're all the same, okay? But he, and he has, he's no respecter of person. He's no respecter of person. If you, if someone, if someone has been saved their whole life, since they were seven years old, they answered the altar call, and now they're 75 years old, been saved, serving the Lord, did everything right, never cursed, never drank, except for that one time they went to Catholic church, never, <laughs> never did anything wrong, never did nothing, 75. And you lived your life horrible. You spent time in and out of prison, stole from somebody, did all of these things, wasn't good to your wife, and you're 75. But when you were 74 and a half, you said, Lord Jesus, I repent and I believe in you. You getting in just like the person. Come on now. Because God is no respecter of person. Now, to those of us who've been around a long time, we said, now, wait a minute, Lord. But there's some other things. We, we're not going to deal with that today. There's crowns and all that kind of stuff. But you get in just like anybody else. He's no respecter of persons. What am I saying? I'm saying you can do it. You're an overcomer. You are the head and not the tail. You're more than a conqueror. Like Brother Jeff was saying, don't let anybody, especially the enemy, tell you that you are something less. You belong to God. You have his DNA. You have his pedigree. You have the name of Jesus. You are an overcomer. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. I'm not glorifying doing bad things. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. We, yes, we will, have, we will have to pay. There are consequences for things that we do. We know that. We know that. But I'm talking about Jesus giving you himself and his DNA. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, that's why my favorite story in the Bible is the one that the, the woman caught in adultery. Because all those who are righteous, he said, drop your rocks. Drop your rocks. Drop your rocks because she, I don't accuse her. I don't accuse her. And guess what? Today, he doesn't accuse you. Your enemy accuses you. All he's asking is you, like the prodigal son, get up, come to yourself and say, it's better in my father's house than it is out here. I've been out here doing all this stuff. My father's right there. I'm going back to my father's house. That's all he's saying. He wants you to know that by faith, you are an overcomer. That's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. The enemy doesn't want you to live a faith life. He wants you to speak the opposite of what the word of God says because that's what everybody else says. He, he wants you to not believe the word of God because it's unbelievable in the natural. But with man, things are impossible. With God, come on, somebody. All things are possible. That's what he's telling us this morning. My prayer is for us to, to, to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep moving forward, to keep enduring, to keep our faith until the very end, to be overcomers and to see results, to see the result, not only of God's love for us, but our faith in him. Because God will show us, it will manifest. It's, listen, I, I can't express this to you enough. This, this is not a thing where it's a fantasy and maybe somewhere over yonder someone's being blessed somewhere. No, God wants to bless you right here, right now. Let, let me just tell you that it's, it's like this. It's like this. If my daughter, who's in college, told her friend, you know, I, I, I need some money to buy this book for class. 
I spent all my money, you know, I had a job and, uh, and I, I, but I used all my money because I bought all these other books and I had to pay for my dorm and I did all this stuff and I got one more book that I need to buy for class that's not covered by my tuition. And I, I don't know how I'm going to buy this book. If I, you know, the teacher, the professor said, if I don't have the book, I'm going to fail the class. And her friend looks at her and says, don't you have parents? Your, your, your dad will give you the money. Your dad will do it. So she says, you know what? Yeah, my dad will do it. So she calls her dad. Dad, Monday class starts, and I, I need some money for this book. And I talked to my friend, Sophia, and she said, you will do it. And I said, yeah, I will do it. Now, my question is, when will I give her the money? If she needs it on Monday, when will I give it to her? Will I wait some point in the future? This is what happens when we say God will do it. God, I don't need to be healed in 2027. Now faith is. When, if I'm going to give my daughter the money before Monday because I know she needs it, even though her friend said he will do it, what do you think God will do? What do you think God will do? He knows your every need. But because of our negative confession, because of our unbelief, remember Jesus said this is the greatest sin of the world, that you don't believe in me. We are the ones that hold up our blessing. God is there. He is a loving father, just like I love my daughter and you love your kids and your siblings, most of you. And you, you love the people in your family. All right. God loves us more. He loves us more. Why would he not do for, why would he let us flounder? He won't. He won't do that. He won't. We sang, we sang a song this morning. What would make you think he won't do it now? He won't. He, why would you think he would fail us now? He won't. He won't do it. 